We continue in our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Our passage for today is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I'd encourage you to read along with us in your copy of the scriptures. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important, more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, we come to you this morning, and we ask that you would... Use this word to encourage us, to challenge us, to change us, that we would be more righteous like your son, Jesus Christ, and that you would help us as we live our lives for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In late May, the Washington Post came out with a story about the results of Census Bureau questionnaire that, uh, that was conducted in the time of the pandemic. And in response to the questionnaire, it was found that 30% of Americans showed symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder. If you go back a couple years ago, May 2018, another article said this, if you're feeling stressed, uncertain about what the future holds, or even physically unsafe, try not to panic. You're definitely not alone. New survey results show Americans' anxiety levels experienced a sharp increase in the past year, with almost 40% of respondents saying that they felt more anxious than they did a year ago. According to the poll, three things causing the most anxiety were health, safety, and finances, followed closely by politics and relationships. Our text today is all about anxiety. That's really the focus of it. And we see that in Jesus' words on the Sermon of the Mount, beginning with the first verse that we're looking at today, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Matthew 6, 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Matthew 6, 31, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And then Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
So I've entitled my sermon, God's Anxiety Pill. This is God's way of helping us with our anxiousness as we understand the implications of Jesus' words to us today in the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to be looking at three things that Jesus is stating here that will help us. The first question is, what's more valuable to you? The second question is, what's more valuable to God? And the third question is, what does it matter? What does it matter? What, does it ma- what matters more to you? What matters more to God? And what does it matter? And so the first is a focus on you and your focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The second is God's focus on you. He cares for you deeply And the third focus is is on your focus on the world around you, your troubles, to take your troubles as they come day by day. So what matters more to you? Again, the first verse of our text. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. There's a principle of understanding the Bible, when you see the therefore there, you ask, what is the therefore therefore? It's something that was stated previously. Last week, uh, it builds up. Uh, So what did we say last week? Well, if you weren't here or if you might have forgotten, let's do a quick review at the context, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. This is Matthew 6, 24. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So if our life is not about food, if it's not about clothes, if it's not about money and what money can get us, then what is it about? We go down to Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the reality is, is if we focus and put the bulk of our attention, we seek first his kingdom and righteousness, then probably 90% of the things that we worry about and are anxious about are off the table. There's really two categories of things to put your focus on here in the text. And that is his kingdom and his righteousness is in one category and everything else. So what does he mean by his kingdom and his righteousness? What is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ? To focus on it by definition, to focus on Christ's kingdom, we have to look to the future. Jesus Christ came and he inaugurated, he began the kingdom, but it's going to come in fullness when he returns. Your kingdom come, we pray. Well, the third installment of the Highbrow movie series featuring Bill and Ted will will come out here uh, in the not too distant future. 
Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, Keno Reeves, uh, I think he's uh, in his 50s now. His first movie was 30 years ago. And as some of you are familiar with this uh, franchise, Bill and Ted are, are two characters, and we'll just say they're underachievers. And so um, in this particular uh, edition, uh, they say, we've spent our whole lives trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we've written it and take it from ourselves? Um, they think it's too much work to write the song to change the world. So let's make it easy for ourselves. Just go into the future and steal it from ourselves. Well, if we could only peer into the future and to see what's going to happen when Christ's kingdom comes, then we could find reassurance. And of course we can, right? There are over, I think, 300 verses in the Bible about what it's going to be like when Jesus Christ returns. And so let's look at a few of those verses of what it will be like when the kingdom comes so that we can seek first Christ's kingdom and focus our attention on that. Revelation chapter eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Romans eight twenty one. The Apostle Paul says, The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In Romans 8.23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There'll be a transformation of the earth, and there'll be a transformation of of our bodies, our resurrected bodies at that time. The Apostle Paul speaks about that in some detail in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who do not, who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And in the final verse we're looking at today, the final section of verses is, is the prophet Isaiah chapter 11, beginning with verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. We need not worry as we look to the kingdom that's going to come. We know what the future is going to hold. And we have a story to tell for the nations that shall turn their hearts to the right 
a story of truth and mercy, a story of peace and light. For the darkness shall turn to dawning and the dawning to noonday bright and Christ's great kingdom shall come on earth, the kingdom of love and light. Some of you know that song. And so by application, we look forward to Christ's coming kingdom. We set our minds on that. We anticipate that. And we also work to help others come to know Christ and to come into his kingdom and to experience what it means to be a child of God as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with our neighbors, as we as a church uh, seek uh, to work together to, to get that out to the ends of the earth, to Bay County, um, that others might know of Christ and his kingdom and become children of God through the work of God's spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we pursue, pursue his kingdom and his righteousness first. So that's the kingdom. What about righteousness? Well, Jesus Christ said that the law was summarized in love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. That's the first greatest commandment. And then the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Charles Colson, uh, when he was a, a younger Christian, uh, remarked how he had asked some more seasoned Christians about how uh, we're supposed to love God and how they love God. And he got all kinds of answers. Uh, some said um, that they read their Bibles. Some said that they prayed. Some said that they attended church or they tithed. Uh, one said that they had a warm feeling in their heart. That's how you love God. And he noted that None of the people that he asked actually responded to that question, how do you love God in the way that Jesus Christ himself did? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. So we seek first righteousness. His righteousness over money and over the things that money can get us. Psalm 119.72 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Psalm 119.127 says, Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. And Psalm 19.9 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. So in the pursuit of God's righteousness, if, if, if that is, is first and foremost above the pursuit of money and the things that money gets you, then that is going to decrease your anxiety in life over those things. If you, if, you, if you seek the things that help you understand how to do that, like, like understanding God's word, more than, say, understanding how to grow in your financial security, if you put the priority on the first one, then you are going to uh, decrease the anxiety in your life as you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The second question is, what matters more to God? What's God's focus? Well, he cares deeply 
for you. Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are you not of more value than they? Matthew 6.28, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? God feeds the birds. God clothes the flowers. He knows how to do these things. We, all, we just have to look at his creation. I was thinking about that this week and how we can apply this in a variety of ways. I, I tend to be struggling with anxiety these days more about the rebuilding of our sanctuary and all the various moving parts than anything else. And I was thinking, well, God created the universe and God did a pretty good job on the galaxy and God did a pretty good job in constructing planet Earth. I think he can handle a sanctuary. John Foreman put it this way, singer-songwriter, I look out the window, the birds are composing. Not a note is out of tune or out of place. I walk to the meadow and stare at the flowers, better dressed than any girl on her wedding day. So why should I worry? Why do I freak out? God knows what I need. You know what I need. Your love is strong. God is strong. God is in control. And God loves his children. We pray, Father, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who cares for us. He cares for us. We are his children. And he who did not spare his own son, Jesus Christ, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He gave him, gave the most precious thing for us. We can be confident that he's going to give us what we need. And God is not just father. Not, he doesn't simply have good intentions, but God is in control. He is the almighty God. He rules and he reigns and he can accomplish it. I would ask you, do you know God is father? The Bible says that we don't naturally come into the world having God as our father. We have to be adopted into the family. We come into the family by faith in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Those who believe in him, John in his gospel goes on to say, he gave the right to become the children of God. So have you become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ? We, we have to admit that we are not righteous in and of ourselves, that we commit sin, that we have fallen short of God's standards, and that by rights, uh, the Bible refers to us naturally as children of wrath or children of the devil, not flattering terminology. But we should come to that realization, come to that admission, come to our senses, but understand that, that God loves you and he has a plan for you. If you 
reach out in faith and put your trust in Jesus, that he took the penalty for you to meet every need that you have before God. Place your faith in him and trust in him. And turn from your sin, turn from your own self-righteousness, and admit that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then you'll know what it means to, to have God as a father. And so therefore, do not be anxious. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He's saying that the non-believers, they struggle with these things, of course. They, They don't know the heavenly Father like you know the heavenly Father. And so you know better. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. The things that we tend to worry about will be added to us. Now, let me say these words of Christ are not uh, they're not contrary to the idea of our need to work hard. Just as I mentioned last week, book of Proverbs talks about that, tells us to look at the ant, the hardworking, diligent ant, um, and that we are we're to do that. Um, the, The birds Don't sit in trees and open their mouths and just wait for God to provide food. They go out and they look for the food. God provides the food. This doesn't mean that we won't have difficulty in life with our needs. It it doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy. Um, You know, Jesus Christ said this curiously in Luke Chapter 21, verses 16 through 19, he said, You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Now, are you paying attention? Did you catch that? He said, Not a hair of your head will perish. But he said just previous to that, some of you will be put to death. What's going on there? Well, Jesus is saying that ultimately, in eternity, where it counts, everything is going to be fine. Yes, some of you he will save from death, from persecution, persecution, and some of you he will save through death. And he will bring you home to be with himself. All is well. All will be safe in eternity. As a pastor, so I have the opportunity to to meet with people in in serious difficulty, in serious trial. Um, My go-to prayer, my go-to passage is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you in whatever you are going through. God Cares. You matter more to God than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and he takes care of them. You are his child, and he will take care of you. He cares for you. And then finally, what does it matter? What good's it going to do you to worry, says Jesus? Matthew 6, 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And Matthew 6, 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
And so does that mean that we shouldn't plan for anything? We should plan, but we need to hold on to our plans loosely and understand that we are not in control, but God is in control. A God who cares is in control, but we are not. In the book of James, James tells us to plan, but to plan humbly. If the Lord wills, I will do this. If the Lord wills, I will do that. This was a headline back in April. New York City is projected to lose at least 475,000 jobs and $9.7 billion in tax revenue. Not in total revenue, tax revenue, $9.7 billion. There's another um, blog that came out by author James Altucher. And the headline of that blog said, New York City is dead forever. Here's why. And this is somebody that's lived in New York City his entire life, loves New York City. Now, I don't know if either of these are going to come to pass. But if a year ago those headlines had come out, what would you have thought? These people are crazy. That what, is a bomb going to go off in New York City to make that happen? We can make our plans. We can think we know the future. Future's in God's hands. Therefore, let tomorrow be anxious for itself. It's another way of saying, let God take care of your tomorrows. There was a group, Christian group, back in the 1970s, the second chapter of Acts, they had a song in which they said, you don't know which way the wind blows, so give him your tomorrows. D.A. Carson put it this way, today's grace is sufficient only for today and should not be wasted on tomorrow. If tomorrow does bring new trouble, there will be new grace to meet it. R. Kent Hughes put it this way, worrying does not enable you to escape evil, it makes you unfit to cope with it. Those are true words. Why be anxious, O you of little faith? You are more valuable to God than the flowers. You can trust him. Anxiousness and faith are opposites. And now I need to say this. Of all of the Sermon of the Mount, all the things that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount related to righteousness, uh, this is where I fail the most, at least in my own self-awareness of my sin. Uh, Anxiousness. And, um, and, and yet I've got, a, I've got a lot to learn about this, even as I have been looking through this text. It's been very challenging and encouraging. And Corey Ten Boom learned a thing or two about trusting God with her future from her experience in the Nazi concentration camps. Um, but she also learned from her father. And some of you are probably aware of this account of this one of these times where Corey Ten Boom was instructed by her father. As a six-year-old, she uh, went to the home of a neighbor and uh, discovered that there was a family member there that had passed away. And as a six-year-old, she was uh, very upset by this and went home. And when her father came home from work, she said, I need you. You can't die. You can't. And so Corey Ten Boom's father sat down beside her and said to her gently, Corey, when you and I go to Amsterdam, when do I give you the ticket? And she thought about it and she said, well, just before we get on the train. 
And her father said, exactly. And our wise father in heaven knows when we are going to need things, too. Don't run ahead of him, Corey. When the time comes, you will look into your heart and find strength, the strength you need just in time. Well, here are a couple of Corey Ten Boom quotes on the subject. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. See, we don't know which way the wind blows, so give him your tomorrows. And the reality is this, that he already has your tomorrows. So go ahead and give them to him. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the truth of your word, the word of Jesus Christ here that instructs us and encourages us that we have a father who cares, that we have a father who is powerful, that you instruct us and encourage us to seek first uh, your kingdom and your righteousness, that as we understand that this is the meaning for our life, uh, that you will melt away the anxiety of things that we do need and that we can trust you to provide. Help us, Father, to be wise in our trust of you uh, as you control the future. We pray this in Jesus' name.